Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's 10 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Thursday night, June 9th, 2011. Hope everyone living in the tri-state area survived the two-day spring scorcher. It was almost as hot as the hottest pay-per-view of the year. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about Summerfest. But I digress. <laughs> Thank God for Central Air, the best Woo! invention since the best invention since the creation of Fantasy Phenom. Woo! Welcome once again to the show that covers sports, life, and everything in between. My name is Joe, Just Business Buccino, and as, as always, seated in his 69DX chair, my tag team partner and co-host. Woo! Yeah! Step into a slim gym! Woo! That's right, folks. The one and only David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. I like turtles. JB, what is going on, my friend? Good. How are you, sir? Uh, just so you know, I use the term friend quite loosely. I'm doing good, sir, doing good. Just getting ready to rock and roll, drop kick a couple of people, and let this pure gold PG extravaganza commence, sir. Yes, sir. We have a great show lined up for you, but before we go and get into it, sir, let's give out the contact information. As always, folks, if you'd like to be a part of the show, the greatest show on earth, 714-364-4721. Once again, that number, 714-364-4721. Check out everything that we do on our website, puregopg.com, where you can check out our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube, our bank accounts, our credit cards, everything you want to know about us is on there. How many children we have or don't have, how many pets, everything, all the information, ever. It's on puregopg.com, sir. You know, DJ, before we get underway, um, I, I think that Tuesday's show was a great show in terms it's of doing great. a retrospect. Yeah, always great. In, doing, in terms of doing a retrospect of the first six months, but... You are kind enough to remind me almost every day at our production meeting that tonight is our official six-month mark. Is it not? Well, if you go by shows, yes. Technically, tomorrow, the day before my 30th birthday, will be our actual exact to the day six-month anniversary. But in terms of shows, today is the 52nd show, and of course, two shows a week, that is half of an entire year. For those of you math majors out there, there are 52 weeks in a year, even on leap year. And yes, this is the six-month anniversary. This is the biggest show ever. 
and pure gold is going to rock and roll for another six months, 60 months, 185 months, however many months, until we get a deal, and then we break up when we start making the money, sir. Yes, sir. So how does it feel, because today is June 9th, how does it feel to be sitting in your 69 DX chair? <laughs> well, it's actually the same chair that I normally sit in, but um, I'm actually sitting in my 30th birthday chair, so I'm excited about that. We got this uh, little baby tenda, for those of you out there, great company, this baby tenda crib that we've had flopping around my house for a couple of months. So I called the dadster. He came over. We set that bad boy up. Actually, I did all the work. He just kind of stood there holding my uh, the tools and whatnot. And then, of course, I got this little chair, this little, like, fruity green sat. I don't know what kind of color chair it is. Because at the time, of course, we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl. But anyway, I digress. I'm sitting in that chair. I got the feeding table. I got everything going, sir. Ready to rock and roll in about five months when the... The baby drops a deuce on us. Actually, four months at this point. Yeah. Just do me a favor. Before we go off the air tonight and we tell about, you know, our upcoming guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, make sure Fit, you tell Fitz, you tell Kevin, our intern, you tell whoever you need to tell, Kelly, our board up, <laughs> that I have a little surprise for you before we go off the air. So make sure you give me some time before the show ends. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, sir. I'm not sure if, if that sounds good or if that's a good idea, but I'll, uh, I'll make sure to remind you. Or oh, I won't, because I'm not sure I want to hear it. Oh, you'll want to remind me. Trust me. Let's let's get into the show because we've uh, spent enough time talking about ourselves. Let's talk NBA Finals. <laughs> we are tied at two. We did. Yeah, let's talk about the finals. We're tied at two and two, and how we got there is a little weird, to be honest with you, DG. I mean, I really thought that the Dallas Mavericks were going to be able to take a split in Miami, which they did, but I didn't think that Miami would come back and win game three. And after they won game three, I thought that they were had the momentum and were in game four, and Dallas won game four. So now we're 2-2, and currently, you know, game five is going on, and the Dallas Mavericks have a four-point lead. But, you know, the, the Miami Heat have a bigger problem, DG, on their hand is that Dwayne Wade has apparently suffered a hip injury and don't know how serious it is, so we'll keep an eye on that as the night progresses. But, DG, series tied at 2-2. Did you expect the way, you know, did you expect the series to go the way it is so far? Honestly, uh, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was hoping to get a good series, and, sir, we've gotten a great series. It's rather unfortunate that we're always on the air at the same time as the NBA Finals, so it's not even like we could sit here and watch it. I mean, I, I, I you know, we have the TV here. On in studio, so you know I can't really pay attention to it. Miami's up two nothing. Uh, Miami's up by two, fifty-two to fifty. You know, as we're in the second quarter now, with three minutes left. But the truth of the matter is that your boy LeBron, scumsucker James, isn't doing much of anything. He hasn't done anything all series, and I think that, sir, is the biggest surprise. If Wade is indeed out and he's not going to, let's just say he's got a hip injury and he's going to be gone, I don't see how the Heat win this game because or the series because LeBron has been nothing short of a complete and utter train wreck, or as we like to say, a slop fest, because LeBron, quote-unquote King James, quote-unquote everybody calling him, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, the best thing since the invention of the, you know, the, the baby tender crib, this bad boy is a complete and utter flop, and he's done nothing. I mean, nine points in the fourth quarter, sir, you tell me, how's a superstar, how does a quote-unquote next Michael Jordan, blah, 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 yackety-smackety, how is it possible that this man has been nothing but a joke in the first four games of the series? He totally has been a joke, DG. I mean, he 
he's definitely not the next Michael Jordan as my rant on Fantasy Fiend on last Saturday, but obviously I didn't get through to the next round. But, you know, I think I had a valid point in saying that. Yeah, I think I had a valid point that LeBron James is just, uh, he might be a superstar in people's eyes, but, you know, when you want a clutch go-to player, uh, LeBron James is not that player, folks. I mean, he he might collect the stats. He even, like I said uh, on Tuesday, he's had a good playoff, you know, playoff run this year. He's made some clutch shots in the fourth quarter, but in the finals where everybody's watching, where the world is watching, you know, where it's time to put up or shut up, LeBron James has hid behind Dwayne Wade and let Dwayne Wade take over. And, you know, good for Dwayne Wade, but LeBron James, if you if you made this whole hype last year about how you're taking your talent to South Beach, I mean, you're a complete and utter joke at this point. You have made a mockery of yourself and your whole organization that you, you know, you really care about your image. You definitely care about your image more about winning or losing because you have not showed up at all in the finals. I mean, if he shows up game five and game six and wins the series, all right, we might look back and say, you know, DG and JB were two idiots for, you know, you know, second-guessing LeBron. But at this point, folks, LeBron James has not brought it. He has sucked it up, actually. Honestly, Joe, I don't I don't even think that it would prove anything. I don't think it would prove that we're wrong. Or, the truth is, he, in four games, he's done nothing. He's got nine points in the fourth quarter. I could put up more than nine points in the fourth quarter if I was playing. The fact is that um, LeBron has just not shown anything. LeBron has not shown any guts. He's not shown any type of, um, you know, ability to finish. And I heard uh, the one and only Mike Francesa talking yesterday, and he was ripping some guy in noon because he was saying, yeah, you know, LeBron this, LeBron that, blah, blah, blah. You know, I want LeBron to take the final shots, and I want him to – I mean, isn't that – you know, I don't agree with Mike at all. Isn't that the reason that you got this guy in the first place? I mean, okay, let, Dwayne Wade is a good finisher. He can finish at the fourth quarter. But don't you – didn't you pay LeBron all this money, or, you know, didn't he shell out all this cash for him to be a clutch player, for him to bring them an NBA title? Because if that's the case – they could have not had James kept Wade and then, you know, continue to win. So I don't understand this whole thing about LeBron, my talents in South Beach. I mean, what is he doing in South Beach? Other than probably, just, you know, sipping too many margaritas. What, what has he done? Joe, the only stat that matters, nine points in the fourth quarter in four games. That is an utter and complete disgrace. He's done nothing next to nothing. You talked about uh, Wade and the hip injury. Well, he's still playing, sir, by the way. But um, the truth of the matter is that, LeBron and people who compare him to Michael, they need Scottie Pippen and the rest. You guys need to stop smoking that crack. You need to stop getting it from Vic, your supplier, one of our loyal listeners who probably hires a cut right now. LeBron is an absolute chump. And to all the kids at church, all the kids in youth group who are talking about how great LeBron is, I don't see it, sir. I absolutely don't see it. He could be a superstar, but he's not a winner. Quote me that line from that upcoming movie, Bad Teacher. Oh, um. When the kid, the kid is arguing, he goes, "Are you saying LeBron is better than you know than uh, Jordan?" It's like you still gonna say, "He goes, how many rings does he have?" That's your only argument. He goes, "That's the only argument I need." Sean, six rings. <laughs> I may have butchered a little bit, but I know yeah, for a fact right. he goes, "That's the only argument I need." Sean, and he's like yelling at the kid. <laughs> I mean, I love it. That 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 is the only argument you need. He's got six titles, and let's be honest about something else here, folks. Kobe Bryant. Say what you what you will about Kobe. Kobe's a winner. Kobe, you know, can will his team to win. Kobe, you know, okay, with Paul Gasol helped him get the last title, you know, the last year. 
it, because he showed up. But the fact is, if you look at Kobe's resume, Kobe has done way more in his career than LeBron probably ever will. And that's, you know, with uh, Shaq or with whomever, that's still five titles. I mean, until LeBron wins three or four, I don't even want to hear the comparison. And the fact is that, don't you tell me, sir, that in game four you score eight points and, and you're, you're telling me you're a superstar. Michael Jordan never would have disappeared like that. As a matter of fact, Michael Jordan never did disappear like that. Eight points, Joe? Eight points in the fourth game? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, LeBron James, you know, I mean, let's let's hold off on the comparison to the great one. And as I'm queuing up my little soundbite, um, you know, I'm telling DG in his little mouthpiece, uh, earpiece about that little sound piece that I need right about now. Uh, you know, that's that's about it for LeBron James. I mean, he can't really he can't really be compared to Michael Jordan at this point. He hasn't even won one title, let alone oh, oh, like. Is that all? Is that all? I mean, that's all we could talk about LeBron James at this point, I think. I mean, let's just stop comparing him to Michael Jordan or anybody else because he is a superstar, but he hasn't won anything yet, and he's not as clutch as, as DG said. He's not he's not Kobe Bryant. As much as I despise Kobe Bryant because he's on the Lakers, he is a winner. Right now, LeBron James cannot be considered a winner, even though he's in the finals at the moment. You know, they're in trouble, DG. I mean, looking at the finals, I think that for Dallas, I think Dallas has to win tonight to have a 50-50 shot at winning the title because um, we saw what the Celtics happened last year. They were up 3-2 going back to, you know, L.A., and uh, they were unfortunately not able to win Game 6 or Game 7. Granted, Game 6 was a real downer when Kedrick Perkins went down and they didn't have a a great rebound and a great defensive presence in the middle, and they lost Game 7 when they were up 13. But, again, I think Dallas has to win tonight, go up 3-2, and then have a 50-50 shot. And I really do think, D.G., if Dallas wins tonight, we're looking at Game 7, Tuesday night, June 14th. What do you think? I agree with you, sir. Actually, I believe Terry just made a two-pointer. The The Mavs are up by four now, 58-54. There's about 40 seconds left in the, in the half. I agree with you, Joe. I completely agree. And, you know, again, we're, we're talking about who LeBron shouldn't be compared to. But it's not even us doing the comparisons. We're just saying that, you know, he's not in the same, oh, wow, what a nice three. Well, we're just saying he's not in the same league as those guys because because that's the, the absolute fact. And as I always love to quote, the facts are the facts and the numbers don't lie. But it's not even us comparing him. It's fans. It's people calling WFAN. It's kids on the street. It's you know, it's it's people saying, oh, he's this, he's that. He may be a, he he may be a superstar. He may be a great player. He yeah. he may be whatever you you know whatever positive thing you want to spin it. But he's not a winner. Let's be honest about something here, folks. He is absolutely unequivocally, unremorsefully not a winner, sir. No way, no how. And I know that I just butchered the English language on that little exchange. But the fact is that he's he he's not a winner. Wade is more of a winner than him, sir. Let's be honest. You know who's even a, a winner, and he hasn't even won a title yet. It's the guy that's on the uh, other team, believe it or not. I think Dirk Nowitzki, Nowitzki is a winner. Yeah, I think Dirk is a winner, believe it or not. I think that. If he had Jason Terry or somebody else, especially Jason Terry, if he had Jason Terry actually shooting the way he shot against the Lakers, I think that with those two guys, they might actually be up 3-1 in the series. I mean, losing game three was, was huge, I thought, when they lost it. And, I, you know, Jason Terry, you know, didn't do hasn't really done anything this series. And I think Dirk has carried his whole team on his back. And then, believe it or not, the other night, I, I believe Tuesday night, Dirk had a 102 fever. And the team won. Yes. I mean, that, yes, that's almost did. like Michael Jordan when he—that's almost like Michael Jordan when he had the flu 
against yep. Game Six against the Utah Jazz. Did he put up fifty-five in that game? He did. I mean, the the guy is phenomenal. Uh, Dirk. I mean, y- you were making fun of me, DG, the other night or last week when you were saying how I thought Dirk should be considered in the top five of all time because of the you know his versatility. The guy could post. Yeah, you were up talking about. Foot. Yeah, you were talking about at his position. Well, I wasn't making fun of you. I, you know, because again, we were doing this in the production meeting where we typically insult each other anyway. But I didn't understand how you were putting him in the top five. But then when you explained you were going by position and you were talking about his versatility, then you know that's a different story. But you're right; he's a seven footer. He's an absolute beast of a man. He's he's got one bad hand, and you know I just agree with you wholeheartedly, sir. He's he's proved his worth. You know, he's proved his weight in gold. He's just been able to basically single handedly carry his team, and he's going up against two quote-unquote, megastars and a superstar in Chris Bosh. I mean, he he's practically doing it on his back, sir. And the fact is that, you know, the second game, when we look back at this series, Joe, if the if the Lakers, uh, the Lakers, what the hell am I talking about? Oh, God. If the Mavericks win, we're going to we're gonna look back at game two, just like I talked about the game six, uh, game two comparison with the math in 06. We're going to look back at that game and say that was the key, being up by 15 points in the fourth quarter, blowing it, and then they were up by about eight, uh, seven or eight points in uh, the last game, and they blew it again. So, you know what, LeBron not being able to finish and Dirk powering his team, willing his team to victory, I, I honestly hope for his sake, sir, he gets his championship ring. Yep. I mean, you figure, like, in 06, it was his first time there. It was Dwayne Wade's first time there, but, you know, they actually yeah, gave up. Dallas was actually up 2-0 in that series, and Miami came back and won the next four out of five games because – uh, not because, but that you know, I'm sure that that eats at Dirk every day, and I'm sure he wants his revenge on Dwayne Wade and the Heat because that's who they faced in 2006. But now we're at the half, and you know, Dallas uh, has a 60 to 57 lead at the yeah at the half. Um, but DG, how do you think the rest of the series plays out? Do you think that Dallas wins tonight and then forces um, pretty much a game seven? I, I don't know if Dallas can win two in a row. What do you think is going to happen the rest of the way? Sir, I honestly think that, you know, you, you're, you're talking about 06, and I agree that it's eating away at dirt, but think about this. Dwayne Wade had Shaq, who was, you know, not not at the tail end of his career, basically in the middle of his prime. So you're talking about one of the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest big men ever, maybe, you know, the greatest in terms of size and being, being a complete monster. But you know what? I mean, that team, had a, I think, had a better chance at winning than this team. I honestly think, sir, and this is just my own uh, personal opinion, I honestly think that the Mavs are going to get the job done, sir. I, I really do. You think so? You think they'll win tonight, and do you think that they can actually go in and win Game Six, or are we looking at Game Seven Tuesday night? I think we're probably looking at Game Seven, but I do think that they win tonight, sir. Because truthfully, what's to stop them? I mean, LeBron is. Unless LeBron shows up, I honestly don't see how the the Heat are going to win this series. I really don't. And since Game 7, you know, if, if Game 7 does happen, and because it seems like every time PG's on the air, there's a game of the NBA Finals, we will push pure gold. Instead of Tuesday night, June 14th, we'll push it to Wednesday night, June 15th. Is that correct, sir? Yes, sir. You are absolutely correct. All right. So we'll see where the NBA Finals go. We'll keep an eye on the, the TV throughout the night. And, um, you know, moving on to our next hot topic, I would say, is probably – the Yankee Red Sox series that's going on currently. There's a rain delay in this game, but sir, the Red Sox have manhandled the Yankees up until now. You know, up until now, have won pretty much every game. I think they're like seven and one or something like that. 
or six and one against the the Yankees, and um, they're doing it with offense, they're doing it with pitching. But the the one thing I must ask you is, do you find it similar to 2009, where the Red Sox won the first nine in, against each other, and then the Yankees proceeded to win the next ten, and then went to the World Series and won the World Series? Is that a scary trend? I was thinking about that today, Joe, and I honestly don't think so. I, I don't see. I don't think it's the same thing. I don't think we're going to look at this and say, "Oh wow, you know the, the Red Sox are going to win the first six, seven, eight games, and then they're going to get swept for the rest." That was insane, by the way, that year. But I don't think so. I honestly don't see. It. I don't think the Yankees are that good. You know, considering that Jabba is now done for the year. I mean, you know, what was he contributing? But you know, he wasn't doing so horribly. Um, with with that happening, I, I, I just don't think it's the same Yankee team. I think they're in a bit of a disarray now, sir. Yeah, I think their starting pitching is not there. A.J. Burnett, you know, A.J. Burnett's been with the team for a couple of years now, and he has not won one game against pitching against the Red Sox. Did you know that? Yeah, actually I did. I was listening to the fan this morning, and they were, uh, Boomer and Carl were talking about that. Okay, so you were listening. That's good. Yeah, I was. Um, <laughs> that's good. Um, so, you know, Big Poppy's having a big year. Do you think he's back on the same juice that Bartolo Colon is on? <laughs> I can I guess it's possible that he's on the same juice, but I don't know, sir. I think that uh I th- <laughs> I think that the whatever the hell he what is it what is it that he's on the stem cells? Yeah, is, stem, cell. stem cells. Then? Yeah, is he I mean, snorting stem like, cells or something like that. <laughs> I don't really know much about stem cells only that they it's blood that's, you know, taken extracted from your own body and then reinjected into your body and all of a sudden you become this like Superhuman guy. It's like it's it's weird. I don't know how to explain it because I'm not a scientist or I'm not a doctor. But you know, I, I get the feeling that Bartolo Colon is definitely working for a contract next year for his probably his last contract. So he's on he's on that stem cell, and it wouldn't be surprise me if if, if Big Poppy's on it right now because the guy's like he's a beast again. I mean, only it was last year or two years ago where he was like he couldn't hit the ball out of the infield, and now like the guy's like back to his old self. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's kind of nice to see. I was always a fan of Ortiz. Unfortunately, he, he was uh, smoking the crack or whatever the hell he was on. But it was nice to see that, uh, you know, he's getting back to form. Did, was it last year, Joe? Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it last year? Or was it the year before where he got off to a horrendous start and he was like O for the first two months of the season, and then he ended up with like 20 homers or 24 homers by the end of the year? I thought it was 2009. You're right. I think he did have a bad season in the uh, first half, and then he just turned it around. You're right. So you know, I like I like Big Poppy. I'm you know, it's kind of like I was a fan of Manny. I don't know about you, sir, but when Manny Ramirez was there, I was a fan of Manny as a player. Not so much his work ethic, because obviously he has them, but just his overall talent. But him and Ortiz were such a great combo that when when he left, you thought Ortiz was going to go downhill because he didn't have Manny uh, protecting him. And I, at first, it seemed that way, but I'm glad that he's he's getting off to a good start. So I really am. You know me, right. I'm always, I always root for the Red Sox. If I had a second team or. If I wasn't a Mets fan, I'd be a Red Sox fan. Anybody against the Yankees, I absolutely love it. <laughs> me too. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, how would you look at this? There's two ways of looking at it. If the Red Sox sweep the Yankees, they'll be up two games against the Yankees in the American League East. Now, do you think, you know, the Yankees look at it and say, you know, they've beaten us all this time. We haven't been able to beat them yet except for one game so far, and we're only two games behind. Or the Red Sox now catapult them their their season because, you know, they started pretty much 0-8 and, and they'll be up two games leaving Yankee Stadium. Who do you think has the psychological edge after this game tonight? If the if the Red Sox win, no. Honestly, I think the Red Sox either way, if they win, 
There's no doubt that they have the psychological edge. Absolutely no doubt. If the if the Yankees win and it's a good game, I still think that the Red Sox have the uh, the advantage because the truth of the matter is that they've just they've owned them. You know, they've owned the Yankees this year, and I just don't see how the Yankees are going to come back. I mean, they they overtook first place. They're up by a game. You know, they're playing so great on the road. And as a fan, you know, not, not even so much of them, but but just as a baseball fan in general and, and an anti-Yankee person, it's great to see. You know, because if you don't include if you don't include tonight's game, sir, I mean the the Sox are 35 and 26, so they've got two wins over the Yankees. Uh, you know, depending on how today works out, and they've won their last five. They're 19 and 13 at home, and they're 16 and 13 on the road. Whereas the Yankees are only two games over at home and five at the on the road. So the Yankees aren't playing that great at the stadium. You know, and now again with the news that Jabba's out, I just don't see how this team is going to turn around. I'm not saying the Yankees are going to tank or they're going to be horrible as much as I'd love that. But, Joe, do you remember the beginning of the year and the horrible start that the Red Sox got out to? Oh, I do. 0-8 or I think it was 0-8 or 0-9, something like that. Who was it, sir? It was 0-8, then it was 2-10. Who was saying, don't worry? I remember, uh, you know, one of our callers, I told them to make sure they didn't jump off the bridge. I was like, look, take care, spike your hair. It's going to be all right. The Sox are going to pull through. They're going to be okay. And here we are, you know, in the beginning of June, and the Sox are kicking butt. The Sox have, uh, you know, the best record in the American League East as we as we currently stand. And, uh, you know, as I as I look through the uh, the stats, you know, I, well, no, the Phillies actually have the best. The Phillies have the best record by one game, you know, and, and the Cardinals by about a game as well. So, you know what, they're right up there. They have the best record in the American League, and it's just nice to see that, they're on the ball. Joe, they were 0-8. And, and that means from that point of being 0-8, they've gone 35-18. and 18. That's that's basically a 666 clip that they've played at. You know, they've won. You know, for every game they lose, they win too. So, you know, that, that that's some awesome stuff there. But we actually have a couple of callers on the line. You know, we can get back to this in a second that we're going to get to. Uh, we have uh, Angel from Woodland Park. So, Angel, if you can hold on for us uh, for a bit. We have a uh, first-time caller, Kevin calling us. Kevin, how are you doing, sir? Hello, gentlemen. It's your intern calling. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kevin the intern, folks. What's going on, sir? What would you like to talk about? Do I I have to change my voice? That's what I'm wondering here. Hey, listen, um, I I just wanted to say say a couple of things. I, I I had a chance to listen to your show from the other night and just listening to you guys today. It's just awesome. I mean, you, you do such a fantastic show, and, and, and it's it's really a shame uh, about what happened with the uh, with the Fiendom situation. And, and, and that's why I, I don't understand why you guys are sitting in chairs right now, because don't you know when you do a talk show, you should be standing in a room with acoustics that are awful? I mean, really, sitting in chairs. <laughs> What's going on here tonight? <laughs> well, you know, we talked about it on Tuesday, and I know you talked about it on your show. I was checking it out. The fact is that that whole that whole sham of a, of a setup, and I, and I'm you know we were trying as much as possible not to sound like sore losers and not to rip WFN. I remember my mom, and my dad, I saw them today, and they were they were like, "Wait, you didn't get it? You didn't make it? I don't understand." But when I see the guys who won, no offense to some of them, I'm just like, I I don't get it. I I don't know what the what turnoff and, and spits were looking for. But the fact of the matter is that that whole stand-up comedian thing, Joe and I went, went over it ad nauseum on Tuesday. It didn't make sense. You know, you're gonna what? you're gonna do a job where you're gonna sit behind a desk and talk on the phone, and nobody's ever gonna see your face. But yet, let, let let's do this, you know, stand-up comedy act on a weird stage. Right. It's like if if, if you were to a, if you were a, dr- a driver's license administrator, 
and you told anybody who came in that were taking your road test that you're going to have to take it in a pickup truck. I mean, you just wouldn't do that. It's not what you're testing for. And and that's why like, a lot of the ideas that you came up with to, to make it more, uh, I don't know, I guess the word would be reliable of a way to test people were, were great. I, I like the idea of, of really screening everybody and then giving a five-minute monologue because, as you guys know, I was in the middle of my horrendous monologue as it was, but then they cut my microphone. <laughs> and I just, and, and my, I mean, I can't repeat what I was saying because I, I, what I was saying to myself, because I was stunned that with all the, the lack of people who were there and the fact that the kid before you, uh, David, went for 35 seconds, that they wouldn't let the clock run just a couple of seconds more. So like, there, there were just so many things that, that were weird, and I know it's hard to not sound like a sore loser, but uh, I, I, I just wish it was uh, had been a different setup because uh, you guys deserve to be there, and it's unfortunate that it didn't happen that way. You know, Kevin, um, we were talking about on Tuesday night, me and DG, um, I'm Pure Golden, we were saying how the best way to actually audition is to ask a couple questions. If you get passed through these trivia questions, you get to go and do your little rant or monologue and now all of a sudden, like, we're hearing commercials on WFAN that says that you could do a monologue. And if I had known that, I would have killed some time by just introducing the station, introducing myself, and doing all that good stuff to kill some time. I mean, I thought that really it was supposed to be a two-minute rant, not a, you know, pretend you're on the radio and talk about how you're going to do your radio show. So from that point, I, I, and now they're changing, it seems like, on the air with their commercials. But the way me and DG said is that we should... Uh, you should answer those questions, and then you should do uh, take a caller, a pretend caller, let Spitz or let Chernoff be a, a caller, and then see how you can handle that interaction. Because doing a radio show is about listening, about giving some feedback on what the person's asking, and then giving your take on it. Don't you think? Absolutely, because what you what, what you would what you're going to wind up getting is guys who don't know how to do transitions. They don't know how to segue from. Uh, what, what if they have to read a live reader, for example, and they're just used to yakking away? What if they're not used to taking phone calls, and when, when somebody does call them, all they do is let the caller talk, and then they go about their business and say something completely unrelated to the callers? You know, you do have to have the ability to listen. You have to have the ability to relate to, to, your, to your listeners. And if you don't test for that, you're asking for disaster, you know, and... And i got to be honest with you, I feel badly because I wish, I, I guess that was one of the things I didn't tell you, and I wish I had. I didn't even think of it, that I was going to start off my, my little rant with, a, with like a, a show introduction to pretend like it was a real show. So I hope you can accept my apologies for that. I just didn't think of it at the time because I thought it was, well, I thought that was out there. Well, that's why, you know, you're the intern of the show now because this is your way of making it up to us. But the truth is that, you know, when I saw the guy who went 35 seconds and I was looking at the clock, I looked at it for Joe, I looked at it for this kid. I, actually, no, it wasn't 35 seconds. It was like 51 seconds. And he, the guy literally, all he said was, all right, I'm done. That, that's all I got. I was like, are you kidding me? No, I got to be better than this guy. It didn't yeah, one minute. How is it possible? They tell you two minutes. You got to do a two-minute rant. And you say to yourself, "I have to do at least a minute thirty, minute forty-five, close to two minutes." But when you when you do less than a minute, I mean, I would have the guy thrown out of the mall. I'm, you know, that would have been oh, me. Yeah. Absolutely, and that 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 was the thing too. Like when when you see guys who are who can't get past a full minute, and then you get people who are who are able to to get past those two minutes right there. I would think that would be a positive, not a negative thing. 
but clearly it was a negative because I guess they're, they, we, I, I didn't follow their directions. So it, it is what it is, but you're 100% right. I was floored. I mean, the, the fact that that guy was there for four hours and came up with 51 seconds of a, of a monologue, it was like, why did you bother doing this? It, like, seriously, I, you should have slept this morning. <laughs> You know, I, I said the same thing, and I thought the same thing. And, and again, folks, uh, for those of you just tuning in, it's P, PG, it's Pure Gold, and we're talking about the WFN Fantasy Phenom with Kevin, who was one of the contestants who went along with us. And, you know, one of the contacts that we made, I know we were we were slopping it up on Kevin on Tuesday. But the truth is that the way that it was set up, and this is, and I like Greg Sussman, this is no way or shape or form anything negative about him at all. But I don't know if the best person can possibly win this contest because, I, I honestly, this is my bias, but I think that Joe and I are pretty good. You know, from what I heard from you, I liked it. I liked your show. Uh, what I heard from Patty, I definitely think that Pat deserved to go forward, so I think yeah. they got that one right. But the way that it's set up, a two-minute rant, what can you tell in two minutes? Like you said, you can't tell if the guy can talk to callers. You can't tell if he can take callers. You can't tell if he knows how to read an ad. You can't tell if the guy is 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 uh, legit. All you know is, all right, well, he talked for two minutes. That's cool. I kind of liked it. But the guys that I heard, I mean, I wasn't impressed. I mean, it's like I told you, uh, Kevin, off the air, it just gives us more time as a show to, you know, gel together and do this, you know, as a duo. Because I really believe that Joe and I work best as as a duo until, of course, that big money offer comes and I leave him like a like a you know sack of potatoes, like a piece of trash, and I go Good make dog. the big bucks while Joe Joe ends up like uh, you know dog. doing solo. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. uh, again, you just hit it on the head. You you, you just hit it on the head, and and you you just kind of have to wonder what's going through their minds when they say you know here's two minutes, give us give us the best that you got when. When I think about it, the smallest monologue I've ever given on one of my shows is 10 minutes, you know? Like, two minutes is just a, is nothing. And the funny part is that they were more concerned about people who couldn't get to two minutes than they were about people who would go over two minutes. And, and, and I guess that really shows that they set the bar pretty low if they were concerned that you couldn't even get to two minutes. Uh, so, and, and, and you just top that off with the fact that we knew that Mark Chernoff and Spitz were sitting there, too. That, that was just a, 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 that, that's a conducive to a nightmare, really, you know, <laughs> knowing that one and two were sitting right there in front of you. I mean, they, they should be there yeah. at the very end, not at the beginning. So I agree. But, what they should have done is they just should have lined up a murderer's row. They should have had Mar- uh, Chernoff and Spitz. They should have had Mike. They should have had Boomer and Carton. They should have had Evan and Joe, all of them in a line, giving a thumbs down to everybody, basically. It's like, you suck, you suck, get out. Yeah, nobody would have made it past of the 70 people who showed up. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Guys, listen, I, I am uh, really enjoying the show. I have a new, uh, I new, I have a new 10 o'clock spot now on uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I really appreciate having had the chance to meet you both. Continued success, and I know we're going to talk again very, very soon, especially as soon as the NBA Finals are over. Definitely, sir. Kevin, we really appreciate your call, and you're welcome to call Pure Gold and be a part of the show at any time, sir. That's great stuff, bro. Okay, talk to you both soon, guys. All right, take care, Kev. Bye. Folks, that's one and only Kevin joining us. Um, and now, before we get to Todd, I know that Todd is over there. He's waiting for his spot. I know he's foaming at the mouth like he always does. Hopefully he'll give us some actual scores this time. But I'd like to go to someone who's become a bit of a fixture on the show, the one and only uh, Angel from Woodland Park. Angel, how are you doing, sir? Hey, what's going on? How are you guys doing? Angel, we're doing, we're doing good. We're doing good. What's on your mind tonight? 
Well, you know, I, I uh, first of all, I want to uh, congratulate you guys for uh, being on for about six months. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You guys are very courteous. Uh, it's nice listening to you. It's a shame that uh, you guys went for this audition and, you know, you uh, they didn't pick you guys. I mean, I would have I would have picked you guys and thrown the rest of them away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's a shame because you guys sound very well. That guy, there's a dude over there uh, on that fan. I just I just you know he irritates me every time I hear him. He's he's very rude with the people. He doesn't give them the time of day. I mean, he he cuts them off in a flash. But anyway, yeah. you know that's you know putting that to the side. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Mets, if it's possible. I think oh, they're winning right now, four to one. But uh, they don't have no clutch hitting. They just don't have no clutch hitting. The pitching is horrendous. I mean, uh, I don't know what they're gonna do to at least get. With I think they won three in a row, and they could have won yesterday's game. But man, they blew it. They just blew it. Yeah, I agree, Joe. Would you like to feel this one? I mean. The no clutch hitting. How about putting a real team on the field? I mean, they're playing with basically AAA baseball players at this point. Yeah, and hoping close to 500 too. You know. Oh yeah, with, definitely. With all the with all the injuries and these, you know, these these team the the guys that they have on AAA or AA or whatever it is. I mean, they, you know, they're producing, but they're not producing enough. Yeah, I, 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 agree, I agree with that. And the fact of the matter is, Angel and Joe. When you have a guy like, and I know that he's basically the, he's like the arch enemy of the, every Mets fan. But when you have a guy like Jason Bay who's making what he's making, and oh, he's just that's not that's producing totally anything, he's not driving and runs. You know, I I saw a stat on Twitter today from Evan Roberts, a WF fan. He was saying that, uh, you know, because Joe never tweets, he was saying that um, Ruben Tejada is one RBI behind Jason Bay. How is that possible? This guy was really? was an amazing. Wow. You know, he was an amazing power hitter. He's hitting 30 home runs at Fenway. And he was hitting home runs, too, over in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's not a hitter's park, per se. And now with the Mets, he's just not doing anything. And and he was a big part of the reason we thought, all right, they, you know, they're going to go somewhere. Beltran's hitting the ball. Reyes is hitting the ball. Wright's injured. Davis is injured. But if you put those four guys back on the field healthy and producing like they were, and then you add in a Jason Bay who can actually hit them, the Mets would – I would give the Mets a much better shot of making a wild card but I think Bay is the key to the team's success, Angel. I honestly do. I hey, listen. I totally agree with you. But you know what it is? It's just the Mets curse. Every team, every ball player that comes to the Mets, either they they get a a hangnail and they can't play no more. <laughs> uh, do you remember Bobby Bonilla? He used to oh, put earplugs in his ears because he didn't want to hear the fans. So come on. I mean, there's something wrong with that team. I mean, it's the curse. It's the people. The media. I I can't put my finger on it. The man was brilliant, like you said, with Pittsburgh, with the uh, the Red Sox. He comes to the Mets and he doesn't do nothing. Joe, what hey, do you listen, think about that? With the NBA, do you think um, right now? I think Dallas is going to take it. I'm hoping they take it. I mean, they're up by two right now, and they're trying to hit three pointers, and they're not making it. So I hope that the Mavericks take it. But you know, but before we move on to that, getting to your last point about baseball, Joe, what do you think about the whole curse thing? Because you're big, you're big on conspiracies and the Mets being cursed. <laughs> Angel, I'm convinced that the Mets, I don't know, like, I don't know how to put it this way, but the, I'll, I'll just say it, is that I, I really feel like in 1986 they really sold their soul to the devil because, you know, being down two runs in 1986 with two outs in the bottom of the ninth and they were able to win that game miraculously, I think after that I think the Mets 
you know, somebody up there, somebody down there decide that the Mets are never going to win again, and they are going to be cursed. Not only are they going to be cursed that they're not going to ever win a World Series again, but anybody that comes onto the team is either going to be washed up, or when they come on the team, they're just going to suck. And that's what Jason Bay has been. I mean, he has been the poster child for what the Mets have been since 1986, just a cursed team that doesn't do good. The minute he gets traded, he'll have a great uh, career again. You know he will. It's happened time and time again. Uh, it's just right. a shame that Jason Bay can't perform in New York. There are some players that can perform in New York and some can't. And, unfortunately, Jason Bay is one of those people that can't, again. Yeah, you're right, Mets. Joe. Everybody hey, man, who goes to the Yankees. Hey, Joe, listen, I, w- I would have voted for you. You know, you guys sound terrific. <laughs> you you guys got a fantastic show. And there's mm-hmm. another thing that I have to say before I leave. Uh, I know somebody's having a birthday. Happy birthday. I wish you the best. And uh, keep on doing it, babe. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it, folks. That's the one and only Angel from Woodland Park. I know, you know, we were gonna get into some, uh, we were gonna get into some uh, NBA talk there, but I know he's rooting for the the Mavs, and he's not a fan of LeBron James either. But the truth of the matter is, Joe, that when you look at this team, when you look at the Mavs, when you look at what's going on with them, uh, what I was gonna say before Angel signed off was that they're players who can play in New York, and they go to the Yankees. Those who can't come to the Mets, with further, without any further ado, let us folks get into. The one and only, and I know we're a little late for him. I know he's crying like a girl, uh, maybe not a girl, possibly a little small child. We have the one and only TJ, Todd Johnstone, our one and only sports update guy. Todd, how are you doing, sir? Well, you know, from where I stand here in the studio, <clears throat> my microphone, I can't <laughs> see the screen, and all my scores are now about six minutes at a time. So <laughs> I'm going with it the way it is. In the NBA Finals, Game 5, Series tied at two to two. The Mavs lead the Heat sixty to fifty seven at the half. And they're probably oh, wow, not even at the half behind. Part, but yeah, well that's that's just fine. That's fine. <laughs> In the NHL Stanley Cup Final, <laughs> we are at Game Five as the the series is knotted at two to two as the Bruins wallop the Canucks four to nothing on Wednesday. They play Game Five on Friday. The puck drops at eight o'clock. In Major League Baseball. The Tigers beat the Mariners 4-1. to The Royals beat the Jays 3-2. to The Southsides are winning over the A's 6-3 in the 8th. The Cardinals are winning 7-1 to over the Strohs in the 7th. D-backs top the Pirates 2 to nothing, And the Yanks and the Sox are finally underway as there are nothing-nothing in the 1st. The Rangers and the Twins are tied 4-4 to in the 8th. Last time I looked, the bases were loaded, so I'm sure that score has changed since then. Dodgers. 4 nothing over the Rockies in the sixth. Braves top the Marlins 3-2. to two. Net, Nats are losing to the Padres 2 nothing in the second. Reds Giants 0-0 in the first. Phils over the Cubs 3-1 to one in the seventh. And the Mets, last time I was able to see, 4-1 over the Brewers in the eighth. And the Mets are playing some aggressive baseball tonight. DJ? I got to say, I absolutely love it. By the way, Todd, the score of the, the finals is 70-67. to 67. Now, you're only about 10 points behind. But I got to say, I love the fact that uh, instead of giving us the locals first, bam, three-pointer, 73-67. to 67. I don't know who this white boy is, but he just he just got that shot off. Oh, uh, Berea, I don't know. Maybe he's related to Todd Johnstone. But anyway, Todd, as I was saying, uh, I love the fact that instead of giving us the local scores first, you save it to the very end, sir. But, of course... As we always do, we have to give Todd his uh, moment in the sun, as it were. TJ, take it away. Todd's take. Let's go. Well, speaking of sun, 
as the temperatures are on the rise here in the east, and we're about two weeks under our collective belts, more or less, uh, since the unofficial start of summer, I thought it best for a little update as to what's happening around the NFL. Not like we don't talk about it every week or something. So let's start with something, you know, some surprisingly good news. Cam Newton, 2011 first overall draft pick for my son's beloved Carolina Panthers, has been earning the respect of his teammates in, an, in all their organized uh, team workouts. Not officially organized, but they're organized. I say surprisingly because of his statement at the Combine where he said, quote, I see myself not only as a football player, but as an entertainer and an icon, bringing into question his work ethic. The vets say he's working hard, so I'm going with it. Now for some bad Local hero and former Rutgers University standout and current Tennessee Titan wide receiver Kenny Britt is now a two-time loser as he manages to get himself arrested again for resisting arrest again. And after being accused of marijuana possession at a Hoboken car wash of all places. Now, listen up, fellas out in Hoboken. If you're one of the numbskulls in the Britt posse, Keep it up, and your free-ride, free-loading leech days will be over, dumbasses. Speaking of shooting yourself in the foot, former Super Bowl champion wide receiver for the New York football Giants was released from prison today. Earlier this week, nearly after two years in prison for gun charges at a Manhattan nightclub. Now, Michael Vick seems to have taken some interest in this ex-con, being one him himself and hopes to provide mentoring to Burris. I say good for you, Mike. Any opportunity to use somebody else's downtrodden badness and suffering as an opportunity to improve your own image is well worth it. So with all of the changes to the rules again this year, intended to protect and improve player safety, the families of one Joe the Jet Perry and John Henry Johnson, both of the famed million-dollar backfield of the San Francisco 49ers, had their brains donated to Boston University School of Medicine who are studying head injuries, including the neurodegenerative, degenerative, wow, I can't even say this word, neurodegenerative disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Perry died in April at age 84. You like that one, right? Perry died in April at age 84, and Henry last week at 81. No disrespect intended, but what could they possibly hope to learn from two guys in their 80s who played in the 50s in the era of leather helmets? And finally, the lockout. According to the Massachusetts-based newspaper, the Eagle Tribune, quote, a deal to end the NFL's lockout is almost complete, unquote. The report went on to say, quote, Owners and players have been contacted about returning to work probably early next week and as soon as this weekend. At about 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today, Demora Smith's right-hand man, George Atala, via Twitter stated, quote, there's a report that the lockout is over. Um, no. Unquote. Known in a time when print media is on the verge of going the way of the dinosaur, this is the type of irresponsible, half-cocked reporting 
that should certainly result in one reporter by the name of Mr. Bill Burt's job being, well, taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. DG? Todd, as always, a pleasure. Yours, of course. We thank you for your take. We thank you for the update. Uh, do me a favor. It's next time, uh, can you start with the local scores? And can you please get the actual scores at the time that they happen? I got to admit, I love Todd. He's like, yeah, I'm about an hour behind, and I'm not really sure what's going on. But, uh, you know, one of the teams in the NBA is winning, one of them is losing, and uh, one of them scored a couple points. Uh, the other one is not scoring so many points. That's, that's, that's a great take, Todd. I can figure it out. <laughs> There's two teams playing. Figure it out. <laughs> we know how much you love basketball. Todd, as always, a pleasure, sir. Good night, guys. Good night. Okay. Uh, JB, this has been one heck of a show, I have to admit. We had the amazing call, the classic call from Kevin Canessa, a.k.a. my princess's cousin. And, of course, we had uh, the classic angel, from Woodland Park, who's called into the show. I mean, we should just give Angel his own segment where he rants and raves like an absolute lunatic and just buries the Mets and, you know, buries everything, uh, you know, on a silver platter, sir. He could be the Joe Benigno. He could be the Patty from Brick of the show, sir. He sure can. And as a disclaimer, Patty and Kevin, those two callers, are not paid by pure gold. They are actual callers, just to let you know, folks. They may yeah, have, well, you know... They might have I mean, Patty is not an actual caller because Patty hasn't called in the show yet. But it's not from that. Oh, <laughs> the yeah, people Patty, who do Patty call will. in, <laughs> the people who do call in definitely are uh, are not paid callers, and we appreciate their uh, their kind words. Of course, we appreciate that you know the birthday wishes from Angel and you know Kevin just uh, you know oozing with uh, enthusiasm and and gusto, sir. Yes, sir. And before we took Kevin and Angel's call, I just wanted to close out with one last thought about the Yankees Red Sox, mostly about the Yankees, but um. It's not even a rant. I just want to say, and I don't wish any will ill on anybody for getting injured, but for the Yankees to baby Jabba the last couple of years with all these Jabba rules and how they took him from a setup man, which he was pretty effective as a setup man, and I actually thought he'd be the next guy to replace Rivera after Rivera retires, and then they go and do this whole Jabba rules thing, and they decide that he can't pitch so many innings and he can't pitch every other day or whatever rules they had called the Java Rules, and people started getting shirts saying Java Rules and all that good stuff. And then for him to, you know, try to make him into a starting pitcher, and that was another fiasco. And now for him to be on the DL, and now rumors, well, I, I don't know if they're actually confirmed or not, but it looks like that, that Java Chamberlain might need Tommy John surgery. Now, how bad is that, DG, that you go through and mess up the guy? I think you mess up the guy's career from taking him from a setup man to try and make him a starting pitcher, try and lengthen his arm when they shouldn't have, and now all of a sudden he's hurt, and now only is he hurt, but it's the worst type of injury in terms of pitching arm. It's a Tommy John surgery we're looking at. They should have just picked one thing or the other, sir. They should have, what a shot by Jason Kidd, absolute beast of a three. The Mavericks are up 78-71, to 71, Todd, just so you know I'm giving you the take. I agree with you, Joe. I honestly think what they should have done is picked one thing. They should have either said, you know what, Jabba, you're going to be a starter or you're going to be a closer, and that's it, stuck to it. it you, know, you know what it reminds me of, sir? And it's actually a perfect parallel except for the fact that uh, Jabba actually had some uh, nice nice pass, by the way, by uh, I believe it was uh, LeBron. Um, it reminds me of what the Mets did to Henry Mejia except for the fact that Jabba actually had success in the majors. 
Mejia went from being a, a starter to a you know reliever to trying to turn him back into a starter, and now he's out and he's doing Tommy John surgery just like our boy Jabba. And the whole Jabba rules thing is ridiculous. You know these guys these guys need to just you know suck it up as the Mavs are up by nine now, folks. Um, you know these guys need to just get it done. They need to make it happen, and you know what? Just let them pitch. And no one Ryan pitched till his damn arm fell off, and you know it's still he could still probably pitch more than some of these guys. But the but these chumps, they're making so much money. They treat them like babies, and then they end up being you know Jamba. And of course, like you said, we don't wish any ill will towards anybody, Yankee or not. But the fact of the matter is that Jamba's career may have been ruined. Tommy John surgery can take up to a year, sometimes a year and a half. I mean, he may not pitch again. Until 2013, and that would be an absolute shame and a disgrace because the Yankees need him. And you know what? He he was a talented pitcher a couple years ago before they started messing with him. I don't understand who thought it was a good idea, who came up with those stupid Java rules. And you know what? Java Java rules suck, and they just they don't make any sense, and they don't help, and they don't do a damn thing, sir. I agree with you. So, like I said, hopefully, you know, Java will not need the Tommy John surgery and be out for a year and a half. But if he does, uh, we're all wishing him a speedy recovery and coming back to play baseball as soon as possible. But, again, for them to go through all the job of things that they did to him, the job of rules, and to try to protect the kid, um, they ended up, I think, in fact, actually ruining him and probably ruining his arms. So hopefully it's not as bad as it, it sounds and or looks, but uh, hopefully he doesn't need the Tommy John surgery. If he does, come back soon, Jabba. And moving on to my last two topics, DG, we talked about some Mets topics that I want to bring up, but um, two things I want to touch upon the Mets is that, you know, they, you know they're playing a little bit better uh, as of late. You know, they won Tuesday night. They had a heartbreaking loss last night, and they're winning tonight again. But, you know, two players going in opposite directions, and we hit upon Jason Bay, how he just cannot play in New York. I don't know what it is. If I don't even know if it's that he can't play in New York because even on the road he's not doing good. So, I don't know if it's just in his head that he he can't play in New York, and then he also takes that mentality to when he plays on the road. But like, what's what do you think as a Mets fan is worse, seeing Jason Bay play the way he is, or seeing a Jose Reyes playing for a contract, knowing that he's probably not going to resign with the Mets unless you know a miracle happens at this point? What do you irritate you more, the fact that Jose is playing great on a contract year? and won't probably be back with the team, or the fact that Jason Bay cannot hit with a damn. I think the Reyes thing irritates me more if only because of the fact that you don't expect him to come back. You love Jose, big fan of his, as we both are. He's putting, he's, you know, monster year he's having. And uh, the Jason Bay thing is irritating, it's frustrating, but you're kind of used to it. The Reyes thing, it's annoying because, you you know, you want him to be here, you want the Mets to re-sign him. And they should resign him, quite frankly, but they can't. I never thought that a day would come when I would see Jose Reyes or even David Wright in another uniform, and it looks like that's pretty much a, uh, you know, a given that those two are not going to be here. And it's a shame, Joe. It's an absolute shame. But the Jason Bay situation is as perplexing as can be. This guy, like I said before, with Angel was a slugger, was it was an awesome, you know, hitter. Yeah, he'd get have his hot and cold streaks, but he was damn good. And now he's just damn bad. He is just absolutely pathetic. I agree. So we'll see where that goes. We can talk more Mets next week um, as, you know, the the baseball season progresses. Because soon, unfortunately, DG, you know, the hockey season is almost over with uh, only three games potentially on. And, you know, the basketball season is down to basically two games after tonight. If that, it might end in game six. So um, before I, I guess we go on to the next topic, I think we have one more caller, DG. 
Well, no, sir. We don't have a caller. We have our next segment. So if you have anything you'd like to get into before we get into a uh, small little view, is there anything, sir, or are you going to save it till after the segment? Um, let's see. I'd like to do this one segment before we do Smallville View. All right, sir. Well, let's go, because Hans took forever to call in, so do it up there. Okay. So, you know, getting off of the sports talk uh, and going on to sports entertainment, let me ask you this. I mean, we've seen what, I guess, what the WWE had planned all along, but that's my question to you is that, you know, we see Christian now being a full-blown heel on SmackDown. He actually hit Randy Orton with the belt and just turn on the fans, and I want you to go into that, DG. But let me ask you this. Do you think that the reason why the WWE made Christian a heel is because they already planned it after he won the title at Extreme Rules, or do you think that there was such a backlash of people writing in on Twitter, on, on the net, saying that, how can you do this to Christian, and, you know, take the title away from him, you know, he hasn't proved that he could carry a show and you're already taking the title off of him uh, before the next pay-per-view. Do you think that the WWE is like, oh, my God, we're we're have such a backlash that we need to do something with this guy, and the best thing that we could do is just make him a heel and then just go after the title that way? Um, If I thought that WWE was forward-thinking or if I thought that they actually knew what the hell they were doing, then I would say yes. But the truth of the matter is that, no, I don't think. I think what happened was, um, I think this was their plan all along. I think they were doing this to, you know, to fit their plan. And uh, I, I don't think that it was because of the fans. I don't think it's because the fans reacted as did. Because when does Vince ever listen to fans? How long has it been since Vince listened to fans? It's been a very long time, sir. And the truth of the matter is that I believe that Vince had this plan all along, which is why the guys were tweeting and saying, calm down and, you know, give it a chance. And even guys like Jericho were saying, did you morons ever think that uh, this was part of the plan? And if it is part of the plan, then, you know, they did a good job. of. I don't like him being a heel because I like him as a face. I think he's going to be better as a heel in terms of his personality. But I believe that the WWE, you know, I can't say they know what they were doing because when did they ever know what they were doing, sir? You're right. And then I guess one last topic on the WWE, we only have a couple, you know, nuggets on that, is that next week... Monday Night Raw will be a three-hour all-star. They're billing it as a three-hour all-star. They'll have SmackDown roster on there. And the only thing, you know, typical WWE logic, you know, you had Stone Cold interfere in the main event, and the week before you had Bret Hart interfere uh, in the main event or be a special guest referee in the main event of the match uh, on Monday Night Raw. And because, you know, explain the logic to me real fast. Because Stone Cold interfered in the match this past week, He's going to be made the guest general manager by the Raw anonymous general manager for you know the upcoming Raw. Does that make any sense to you, DG? It's a, <laughs> it's the WWE and the WWE never makes any sense. That's pretty much all I can say, sir. Um, it's typical WWE logic. It's nonsense. It's stupid. It's idiotic. And you know what? It, I mean, it's always good to see Stone Cold out there and turn it from a fan perspective because he's obviously so popular. But it's just stupid. It's, it doesn't even, it, logically it makes no sense. But when did the WWE ever need to make sense to you know for people to still watch it? Yeah. And one last uh, WWE logic before we get into one last WWE nugget before we get into Hans and Smallville view. Um, what did you think of the last two participants in Tough Enough? And do you think the right person won? A special shout out to Melissa Ortiz, our, our fan on Twitter who I think got upset with us because, uh, you know, I tweeted 
that I thought that Andy was a tall, talentless, awkward goof, and I stick by that. I mean, the silent rage thing, uh, whatever. He's tall. He won. You know, I thought Luke showed more personality. What I don't understand, Joe, <clears throat> maybe you can explain this to me, is how the entire season, it was all the the coaches are all every week that I saw at least, and that was you know six seven times. Luke Luke has what it takes. I think Luke's gonna win. Luke is good. I, I didn't hear them say a negative thing about Luke, and then all of a sudden, hey, Andy won. And then you know on the show, all three of them on Raw basically Booker didn't want to say it, but all three of them thought Luke uh, Luke won. They thought that Andy won, and it made no sense to me. I didn't see any good promos. I didn't see any charisma. I didn't see anything from Andy other than the fact that he's a big doof, you know, to say that he should have won. I thought Luke showed personality. I thought he showed charisma. I thought he showed ability. And I think that um, the wrong guy won. And, you know, I think that the way that they set it up was not good. And, you know, you know I'm watching this game, by the way, and it's, all I see is guys flopping like idiots all over the floor, guys falling on the floor, pushing each other, you know, bumping into each other. I mean, next thing you know, they're going to start choke slamming and rock bottoming each other. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but as I was saying, I just think that he looks a lot like Randy Orton, and maybe that's why uh, he didn't win, because they didn't want another Randy on their hands, or maybe he would have been too similar to The Miz. That's possible. But uh, I thought the wrong person won. And, sir, what did you think about this? Um, I know Hans is anxiously awaiting. What did you think about what they did after he won with the slap in the face and the Stone Cold Stunner? That's that's pretty typical. I mean, now the guy wins a contract, the guy wins tough enough, and all of a sudden he gets slapped by Vince McMahon, and then he gets stunned by Stone Cold. I mean, if that isn't typical WWE logic these days, and I'm convinced that WWE doesn't care about their logic anymore. All they care about is putting on a PG and not, I don't mean pure gold show. I'm talking about a parental guided show or a parental guidance show because they want to try and make it PG as possible, keep a cartoon character of a John Cena as a champion until, I guess, WrestleMania at this point. Um, so I definitely don't think the right person won Tough Enough. I didn't watch Tough Enough, but for them, I just watched you know the, the in-ring interview, I guess, with Stone Cold and Vince McMahon, and to then slap the winner and then stun him. Yeah, that's that's a good job there, WWE. Let's just um, you know bash the guy. He just won a contract. You'd, you'd figure that he would actually do something to Vince to get over on the you know with the crowd like maybe do his finishing move on on Vince McMahon and then you know Stone Cold and him could share a beer together but uh, I digress I agree sir it didn't make any sense it was typical WWE booking and basically it was just a way to bury him and you know I didn't think it was a good idea I I, I thought it made him look bad it made him look weak and you know it is what it is so let's move on to our next segment as we have the one and only Han joining us. All I had to say with WWE is they don't know what the hell they're doing. But, again, I digress.
have joining us once again, who's here Tuesday, he's on today, he was on last Thursday with some more Smallville View, the one and only Hans joining us. How are you doing, Hans Solo? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Okay. Listen, sir, let's get right into this. Break it down for us, pure gold style. We've talked about Clark, we've talked about Lex, we've talked about Lois and Lana. Let's talk about two of my favorite, well, one of my favorite characters, Jonathan and Martha Kent. Hans, give us your take, sir. I think they were, as far as the TV show goes and uh, any incarnation of them, the show hit them spot on. They picked two perfect characters, relatively young, because in every other incarnation, especially the comics, they have been this really old couple, like in their 50s, 60s, almost 80s in in the new Superman Returns movies uh, or movie, and they were just great. The way uh, Jonathan Kent was portrayed was absolutely amazing. A far yeah, I agree, better you character know, than, than uh, Martha. I agree, sir. I, I thought that the way that they wrote Jonathan and the way that, of course, John Schneider, who played him, was just spot on. He was a strong character. He was able to stand up to Clark when he had to. He was able to go toe-to-toe with Lionel and Alex and everybody else. And making him the younger character, the younger version of, you know, of Jonathan Kent, was a perfect idea because if not for that, he would have been old and washed up and the show would have suffered a bit, JB, don't you think? Totally agree. The, the point what is... The, um, what are you doing over there, Joe? What the hell oh, was that? I was... I was uh, out of uh, my seat watching the NBA Finals as you guys were digressing. Um, but anyway, like like Hans as said, as we digress, yeah, as we digress again, as Hans was saying though, they they picked a younger you know couple and uh, didn't go with the what the comics had, what the movies had, and older Clark and not Clark, uh, an older Martha and Jonathan Kent. So I liked the fact that they were younger, but I also like DG had said. Jonathan Schneider was the perfect um, person to be Clark's father, and was a great actor. He, um, even when he passed away, I mean, they they used him perfectly, um, you know, to show Clark, um, well, not to show Clark, but, you know, he was there for him even when he passed away or died, um, which was always a good thing, too. Wait, wait, him dying was a good thing? No, I mean, uh, they could have just, you know, taken the character away from Clark, but they kept him, you know, and he came on sporadically, and then towards the end of the series, he was on a lot more um, to, you know, guide Clark and to be what he was supposed to be, which was Superman. I agree. I just love John Schneider. I thought he was great. I thought he did an amazing job, and much more than Annette O'Toole. She was a good monster, though, but I think she played better off of him than she did when he was gone. You know, Hans, I'm sure you'd agree with that, that when when it was just her, I didn't feel she was the the, the same type of good parent that uh, Clark needed her to be, but when it was uh, Jonathan and her, I thought she played well off of his strengths as, as the father and, you know, as, of course, John Schneider, the actor. I completely agree with you. Uh, she wasn't as strong. I don't know if it was just due to bad writing or they didn't know how to write her as a strong parent, but without him, she just became weaker in a sense that she couldn't she couldn't lead Clark the way the father could have. And even though I think it was great that um, you know they killed him off, they 
the way they did it was horrible, but um, the fact that they did it, it was good and bad. I feel that it might have been a little too early on the show, but if they would have done it any at any later point, it would have just dragged on with that relationship, just like they did with Lana and Clark. You know, I agree with that, sir. You know what I was thinking, too, is that it seemed like Jonathan Kent, um, his character was, uh, while he was alive, uh, was basically... Um, there was like this hatred of Lex and Lionel, which you didn't really see. I don't know if you see in the comic books that the father has uh, a hatred towards Lex and Lionel, but I know that they didn't do that at all in the first movie. They didn't mention Lex at all, obviously. But, you know, did you like the fact that Jonathan had this, like, almost obsession with uh, hating Lex and Lionel for what they did to, you know, to, to the farm and to what they were doing to Smallville? You asking me or you asking him? Either or. I did did like it um, because in the comics and in any other movie, Smallville isn't a big part of it. They always skip to it. They jump right into him being Superman. Um, So they they never, like, fully get into that. And I love the way that, that they built that relationship, that hatred that he had for them. I mean, he had reason for hating them, but it was just so great how... He would tell Clark, you know, to be good, to try to see the good in people, but yet he hated Lex and Lionel. That's a good point. But, I mean, he had his reason, considering everything that Lionel did to him. I think he, he had his reason to hate him, sir. But don't no, forget I... that Lionel did did help them in the beginning with, with the adoption. Yeah, but then he, he hung it over their heads later on, so he was just scumming it up the way that Joe B. would scum it up in real life. Joe Beningo. No, you, sir. No, you're the only Joe B. As far as I'm concerned. Oh, thank you. That, that other, but, that you other know, Joe but, B. Is an imposter and a fraud. Right, but like Han said, DG, he he hit it right on the nail. I think um, he said that he always yeah. told Clark to, he always told Clark to look the you know in the good of people, and for as much as he said that, he almost was talking out of his other side of his mouth by you know his hatred towards Lex and Lionel. Well, I think that like any good parent, it's uh, do what I say, not what I do, because, you know, it's just classic parenting right there, sir. I mean, I'm sure you're going to do the same thing with your daughter. I mean, I'm just going to be my kids unmerciful when, you know, when I have them. But that's neither here nor there. I, you know, it, huh, and, and and ultimately, Hans, you know, you were talking about the, it, basically, it, it basically is what killed him because that hatred of Lionel, which still continued even to the end, you know, that's what, that's what ended up killing him. It's true. Uh, he went out defending Clark against uh, Lionel. The way that I defend, you know, the world from your evil, it's, it's basically the same thing. But you know, the fact that <laughs> the fact that uh, Mr. Kent died in the way that he did, I just, I, you know, I didn't think they did the character justice. But like JB said, they did a great job of bringing him back, and you know, being that guiding light that Clark needed, just like they, you know, kind of like the. the Soap opera, you know, they really used him in the proper way. As by the way, folks, the score update: the Mavs are up 88 to 81. So hopefully, they, you know, they'll continue to win this game. Um, but I, you know, I just love John Snyder's portrayal, and I thought that the parents were good. You know, they they actually in Superman, I forget which one, a recent version of the comic, they they um, made the parents younger. You know, basically an Amos of Smallville, and I just thought that they got them they got them spot on. They got them right. They were such a big part of Clark. That uh, you know that they did a good job, Joe. Yeah, 
I agree with you. And the one thing that we've we've talked about on other shows, Hans and DG, is that um, right after you know the father dies, um, what they did to Martha's character was just bizarre for her. T- right, right. You know, right after the father dies, um, you know, he wins the election to become senator, and all of a sudden now Martha you mean right is going to before he died? Yeah, you know, before he died. And then Martha decides to become the senator. I thought that that doing that to her character, I thought that was wrong. <laughs> Did you? You didn't like it? You thought it was too, it was too uh, raw? <laughs> I thought that other than the fact that it was nonsensical and completely unrealistic and, you know, virtually impossible for that ever to happen, you know, I thought it was a weak way to write off her character. You know, it was a bad way. Honestly, Hans, if an editor was going to be that busy, what they should have done is just had her appear less on the show and still been a part as a guest star once in a while and whatever the case is. But I don't think they should have done it where they wrote her off to be a senator because that doesn't even make sense. That's like the biggest plot hole of all time. That That is. You guys are right. Uh, what they should have done is have Clark permanently move to Metropolis and him come visit the mom at Smallville, which is what he does anyway in the comics and at the, the end. movies. Yeah, and at the end of the at, show, too. Well, well, yeah, when he becomes uh, full-fledged Superman, he, he comes back home every once in a while, but they could have easily done that with, uh, with the show, just have him come back every every few weeks back to the farm instead of yeah. that ridiculous plot line for her to be a senator. Yeah, that's a good point because they, they could have easily had him just come back to the farm because ultimately towards the very end of the show, they weren't showing the farm all that much anyway. So what was the point of having it as a as a part of the show? He could have just you know, been in Lois' apartment or found his own apartment or done something in Smallville. So I completely agree on that point. They they, uh, they could have done that. So that would have been a good that would have been a good way to uh, you know to move the character on from. You know, the whole Smallville roots, I guess they wanted to somehow keep him in Smallville. But regardless of where he was, he could have been in New Jersey. I mean, the show still would have been Smallville. But, uh, you know, I, I always love their rea- interaction with each other. And, you know, it, I hate the fact that they always have to kill off the father, but I guess it's just part of the Superman mythos that, you know, I have to live with, uh, Sirs. It is. In the early incarnations, both parents actually were the ones to die, not just uh, Jonathan. It was always both parents until... Uh, recently, they just started killing the dad. Yeah, you know, I, I've never been a big fan of that. Um, I just, I don't know. What about you, Joe? What do you think about that? You think it's uh, it's a necessary evil to kill off Jonathan? Well, if you go back to what the you know the creator of Superman, he told me that his father died, and it was that was the reason why he killed off you know Clark's father. So um, I, I gotta go with that. The you know killing both family. Killing both the mother and father, I think, is a little too extreme. I think for a character like Batman and Bruce Wayne, that that's doable. But you know, killing one, not both, is is okay, especially since it has some real life meaning to it. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like Spider-Man and Aunt May. You can't, you really can't kill off Aunt May. And I remember when they did kill him off for episode, or, excuse me, issue four hundred of Amazing Spider-Man. They did it in such a horrible way that they had to bring her back to life because. The fans were so against it that it just it just pissed everybody off. And, you know, they become staples of, of the show, and they become staples of the character or staples of the comic. You just can't do it, and you can't make it effective. You know what I mean, uh, Mr. Hans? I, I agree with you. Maybe the writers from uh, Smallville killed off Aunt May, and they had to bring her back. Well, you know what? The truth of the matter is... Um, 
If they really had anything to do with that, I, all I can say is this. Go to hell! So, Hans, uh, <laughs> Hans, is there any <laughs> anything else you'd like to touch on with, with them or, you know, Smallville in general before we move on from this, uh, this segment, sir? Yeah, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, do you think now because of what Smallville has done with, with Superman and, and his whole um, story, is that why the new... Uh, uh, Martha and Jonathan Kent in the new reboot are a younger version. I believe it's uh, Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. Do you think Smallville has anything to do with the way they're picking these characters now? What do you think about that, Joe? I, I mean, it's not coincidence, I don't think. I think that they saw the success of Smallville and having, you know, a younger parents for Clark to grow up and be that, like DG said, guy in light from CBS now defunct soap opera. Um, I think that, that there is a correlation with that. I agree because, you know what, I thought they picked good choices too, by the way. I'm very happy with Kevin Costner and Dan Lane being his parents because I think, you know, A, they're good actors, they're quality actors, and they do they would do a great job of in doing justice to Martha and Jonathan considering, you know, Smallville fans, obviously to us, Annette O'Toole and uh, John Schneider are Jonathan and Martha, but I think that that's a perfect way to do it, just like it influenced them in the comics for a bit, to have a younger version. I thought um, I thought definitely that would be an influence on them, to, in the producers, because they saw how successful it was in Smallville to have that for the new movie, sir. Hopefully they won't, they won't kill off Kevin Costner like in the first two minutes of the movie. Do you, do you guys think that uh, they will have a big part in the movie? It's not just going to be like every other one, a five-minute scene where... He dies, and, and that's it. They move on from it. I can't imagine they have a huge part in it, Joe. What about you? I agree. I mean, I don't see it, but you never know. I mean, they might steal a lot of ideas. I don't know if stealing is the right word, but they might take a lot of ideas from, from Smallville, the show, and, you know, make sure that they 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 focus on the fact that uh, Jonathan Kent was really a uh, a person that, Gave great advice, and even after he died, was able to still was was still able to you know give that advice even you know subconsciously. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, you know as the as the Mavs are still up by four with about nine minutes to play in this game. Um, what about you, Han? Do you have any prediction on who's going to win the NBA Finals? I know you're you're a huge uh, basketball fan. Okay. Huge fan. Huge. Uh, I don't know. Let's go Pirates. I'm going to go. I'm just going to Pirates. say Miami. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's just going to say Miami because it's the only team he knows. Good job, Hans. So listen, Hans, uh, before we close out, before we close out this another wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. show, another great wonderful. classic, pure gold, the greatest of all time. Is there anything uh, in the movie world you'd like to talk to us about, sir? I know we have Green Lantern next week, and we've got some uh, Captain America coming up soon, and Transformers. So it's going to be a huge uh, blockbuster summer for those of us. Uh, Fans out there, the comic books and cartoons. Harry Potter. Well, you know what? I I really wasn't uh, too excited to see Green Lantern, but after seeing the the newest trailer when I when when I was at the movies last, it actually looks a lot better. I'm kind of excited to see it. Um, Ryan Reynolds, I don't know. He he doesn't strike me as a Hal Jordan. Definitely Almost not. All of his movies are are the same. He plays the same character, which is weird because. <laughs> He he is a good actor. He's done dramatic movies, so I don't know why they they put him in in that movie in those type of movies or if he chooses them. Yeah. 
And why is he choosing to play Hal Jordan in that manner? Well, he's a big comic book fan. I know that. I think, and, and it's true because I know he has talent. I actually like him, but I think for the most part, he's kind of a one-note actor, and he plays the same character. So I don't know if he's if he can psychologically comprehend that Hal Jordan is not <laughs> is not the same character that uh, you know that uh, the guy Wilder. in the proposal was or Van Wilder or any of those other movies, but. You know, I do enjoy him. I just don't like the fact that he's always the same thing. But, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't know if it's going to be any good, but I was surprised at how good X-Men First Class was, even though they got absolutely everything wrong. But the movie itself was great, so I, I was right and I was wrong at the same time. It's a use a Jobyism. Right. <laughs> what about television, sir? Anything in the TV world as the uh, the heat of just uh, come within three points? Anything in there, sir? Uh, nothing really. We we ran through all the new shows that are coming on. The summer shows are about to begin in the next couple of weeks. Burn Notice, True Blood, yes. and and some other shows uh, no. are coming on for the summer to replace everything that's gone away. So, you know, when Burn Notice comes on, we could uh, talk about that. DG, I know you're you're a big fan of it. Took me a oh, season course. or two to to start watching it. Yeah, after I but yelled at you and abused you, you know, I basically told you you had to watch. You finally uh, listened to me, you know, and I'm sure Joe Nell, who writes our Pure Gold movie reviews, uh, Solid Gold reviews, actually, in the uh, Trailer Park, which is Hans's favorite segment because that's where he's from, um, he's going to be a big uh, supporter of Burn Notice because I know he loves that show, so hopefully we'll get him on to talk about that. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. I know they've got the new Covert Affairs coming up, and basically every show in USA is a summer show, as uh, Dirk Nowitzki just got fouled again, and he just shot his first uh, free throw. Um, but Hans, you know what, sir? We really appreciate you coming on as always. We appreciate you taking time out. And for all our people out in Guam who are listening to this show, we thank you for listening. And uh, have a wonderful evening, sir. Well, that's pretty much all I can say. And uh, hopefully the heat will prove you wrong. Thank you. Uh, yeah, maybe they will. Who knows? <laughs> have a good night, sir. You too. <laughs> Those endings with Hans are always awkward, but, you know, i got to love him, his dedication to coming on the show. And, uh, JB, as we close out this show, is there any final touches you'd like to put on it, or shall I just give the thanks and the kudos out to our staff and all of our callers? Well, I told you to save me some time for my special surprise, so may I? <laughs> oh, of course. You do it, sir. Do it up all here, right. as, <laughs> Folks, as we know that DG is turning 30, the big 3-0 in a couple of days on June 11th, I thought it was only appropriate that I bring in the surprise into studio. So as we get the people lined up, uh, DG, want to wish you a happy, healthy birthday. I will see you probably on that Sunday, you know, the day after your birthday. But you will already be 30, so um, yeah, I'm trying to stall some time as I get the uh, as these people get into studio and get ready. All right, DG, ready? This is for you. Are you ready, sir? All right. Yes, sir. All right, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes.
it's the longest song ever. That was the longest birthday song ever. And who was that, Bob Marley and the Rockettes? Because it sounded very uh, Caribbean slash jamaican Yeah, it was the church choir from Jamaican Me Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joy, you know, of course, I appreciate them coming in the studio. I'm sure it must have cost a pretty penny to get all those people in into the studio because that was some pretty clear sound. But, um, folks, you know, I appreciate you listening to the show. Of course, I appreciate JB and his... Uh, you know, ridiculously long birthday song. As I turn the big three O, JB reminds me, going to your thirtieth birthday party many years ago, do you remember what that was like? Um, I have uh, mixed thoughts on it, believe it or not, DG. Uh it was actually a surprise. what you forgot to mention was it was a surprise thirtieth birthday, so um I thought I was going to my friend's um driving Andrea to my friend's baby shower and when I got there and then seeing all my friends and family there I was definitely shocked and very surprised because I was already thrown a surprise birthday party when I was 14, so to be thrown another surprise birthday party at 30 was definitely a great surprise. I remember seeing everybody there. You know, I even had my bowling team was there, Strike Force, DG was there, uh, so many people. Uh, you know, it was just a great day. Um, unfortunately, that happened in 2007. Um, a couple months later, my mom passed away, but I remember that was probably the last event that my mom was at, and she was like, yeah, we have a couple of pictures from that event, DG, and you could tell that something was already um, not right with her. Like, she wasn't fully smiling like she would. And I know, like, you know, we love to joke about my mom, and especially when you used to come over my house, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't offer anything but drinks, but, you know, she would offer you food, actual food, and, you know, God bless my mom. Uh, but yeah, that that thirtieth birthday DG was definitely um, you know at the time it was a great event, but looking back at it, it was like one of those like looking back at it and saying you know my mom wasn't feel, starting not to feel good, and then you know April twenty fifth she passed away, so definitely have some great memories and some not so great memories about that day. Well, I mean you know you got to look at the positive, of course, is the fact that you were able to spend that specific birthday with her. Uh, you know, it's a big event. And, uh, you know, I remember your mom quite well. She was a very nice lady. It's amazing how, how far the apple has fallen from the tree, as it were. And, uh, you know, the fact that she would always offer me. You never offered me anything. Don't even talk about you offered me drinks. You didn't offer me crap. Your mom was the one who would always come out and say, Joe, you haven't offered him anything? You haven't offered him anything? You know, we'd have friends there. We used to go over back in the day to your house to check out uh, the pay-per-views and stuff. And, of course, horrible things would happen whenever we'd go, like Owen Hart dying or, you know, other people passing away in some, you know, shape or form. But you would never offer anything, ever. So your mom definitely was a, you know, was a nice woman, a nice lady. And I remember seeing her that day. You know, she was the first person I saw as I walked into the building. You know, I thought I thought it was supposed to be at the McDonald's across the street. But, of course, you know, they went all out for you. But, yeah, you're right. You know, it definitely can be bittersweet. But you got to look at the positives. As I go into this serious birthday, which, of course, is not a surprise, I know my family's coming over Saturday. We have some nice lasagna, which is my favorite dish. And then Sunday, JB, Hans, the whole crew, they're coming over. We're going to Five Guys. You know, I know I'm on a big diet, but my wife is allowing me one cheat meal, and that will be Five Guys as I get a double 
with cheese, with some uh, lettuce, a little tomato, a little mayo, a little mustard, a little ketchup, and of course those greasy, sloppy, jalopy french fries. Topped off with a huge cherry Coke, sir. I cannot wait. I absolutely am excited and ready to go. Yes, sir. So, you know, before uh, your birthday, just again, wish you a happy, healthy birthday. I'll see you Sunday. Why don't we just uh, close out and let the PG audience know what we have coming up the next couple of weeks with the guests. And then let's uh, close this puppy out. Of course, folks, next Thursday we're going to have Coach Kevin Moss, favorite team of Neil from Belleville. The coach of the New Jersey Spartans will be joining us at 10 p.m. Again, this next Thursday he's going to talk about some community service and some things that his team does. And, of course, the team themselves are getting ready to start their season, uh, New Jersey semi-pro football. We're going to have Sid Rosenberg joining us after the NBA Finals. Um, probably not next Thursday because, obviously, we're going to have Kevin on, and we want to give him his due. But maybe the following Tuesday, uh, actually, as a matter of fact, the following Tuesday, we're going to have Flex Freeman of the IWF joining us. And Flex is actually getting a two-day tryout with the WWE. You know, kudos to him and congratulations, of course. He's going to be there Monday and Tuesday, as I believe they're in the Nassau Coliseum in uh, Long Island. But after that, you know, we're going to get Sid Rosenberg on, so it should be exciting. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some big guests on the show. And, folks, by the way, as we're getting ready to sign off, the Heat have just come back, and they're up by one with five minutes to play. So here's hoping Jason Kidd, Dirk Nowitzki, and the rest of the Mavs can keep that lead. But I'd like to thank everybody who called in today. Of course, got to thank the one and only Kevin for joining us. Got to thank Angel from Woodland Park, the classic Angel, who's always, uh, you know, ready to give us some positive feedback. Uh, I'd like to thank Todd for giving us a sports update, as only he can bring it. Thank Hans for joining us. You, of course, the listening audience out there. And, of course, thanks to the, uh, I forget, the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I don't know what choir, whose choir, whatever choir it was. Wow, what a three-pointer by the Heat, as they're now up by four. Not looking good, folks. Not looking good. Um, I'd like to thank them for singing that You're Making Me Crazy or whatever the birthday version they were singing to me. Definitely appreciate it. Folks, it's been a pleasure. Tune in on Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another edition of Pure Gold. For JB, this is DG reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone. And, of course, let's go, Mavs. Quick disclaimer, folks. Let's remember that if the NBA... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.